Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. The, the Voices series is really over, and, uh, and The Voice, the pastor, was supposed to be here. I visited with Steve yesterday. Uh, he had surgery on, uh, on Monday, and uh, uh, he's, it's, it's very painful. He's been in a lot of pain the last couple of days. In fact, uh, I went in yesterday, and he's leaning up against the counter and trying to move in the circles and the motions that he's supposed to be moving, and I said, son, what can I do for you? And he said, cut my arm off. And I said, well, outside of that, what else can I do for you? So we're praying for him that God will give him a speedy recovery. And so I'm going to try to, to, to be a voice and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me this morning. And uh, if you weren't in the early service, I did the sermon called Let God Arise. You'll have to, you'll have to go online to, uh, to listen to that one because I felt like uh, maybe I ought to go a different way. And so I want to call your attention to John's Gospel, uh, chapter 14. Very, very familiar portion of Scripture, beginning with verse 1. Jesus says to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's an emphatic statement. It literally says, trust God. You trust God, now trust in me. In my Father's house are many abiding places. If it were not so, I would have told you. <clears throat> I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, he picks this same thing up in verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, gives I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and I come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it comes to pass, you might believe. Now it literally says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled. Do not be afraid. I want to talk to you about untroubled hearts in troubled times. Well, you can't say that you weren't warned. For throughout Scripture, the Bible explicitly states that we are the generation upon whom the ends of the world has now come. And because of that, we live in troubled times. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy that in the last days, know this, perilous times will come. And when he uses the word perilous, he literally says that dangerous, grievous, hard-to-bear times are going to come. Jesus added to that. He described the, the signs of his appearing in this last day by saying, in the last days there will be distress of nations with perplexity. That the nations will be agitated and in turmoil and in trouble, and they will not have a way out. They cannot find any way to solve their problems. And so we were warned. 
the Apostle Paul is very clear that in the last days, troublesome times will happen. And he describes them. He says men will be lovers of their own self. We will live in a time of what we call narcissism, where everyone is concerned about me, my entitlement, what I get. I want mine. I want my piece of the pie. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. I want mine. That's the day that we live in. He goes on to say that not only would they be lovers of their own selves, but they would be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Not only would it be a time of self-centeredness, but it would be a time uh, 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 of, uh, of, of desiring for pleasure or hedonism. So it's not only narcissism, but it's hedonism. And that people would live for self-gratification. And he ends it by simply saying that they would have a form of godlikeness or godliness, but they would deny the power thereof. That they would believe in a religion, but they would not believe it had the power to change their life. We call that syncretism. So he said, everyone will begin to have a religious smorgasbord. And they will pick and choose from every different religion because they will begin to believe that all of those paths, no matter how diverse they are, will lead to God. So he said it will be a time that's grievous and hard to bear, dangerous, times of anxiety, times of trouble, perplexed without a way out. That's the hour we live in. And we're all aware of that because we're faced with it every day. In the geopolitical situation that we live in, uh, all of a sudden it's North Korea. All of a sudden it's Iran and nuclear treaties. It's China persecuting Christians. It's Venezuela that is about to collapse. It's Afghanistan. It's the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. It's Al-Qaeda and Hezbollah and Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood. And everywhere you look there's turmoil and agitation and trouble because we live in troubled times. And politically, socialism conservatism, progressivism, the extreme right, the extreme left, uh, capitalism, yeah, $19 trillion worth of debt in this nation, spying by the FBI, intelligence agency, the deep swamp gridlock, individual rights, are they inalienable and God-given or does the government give them and take them away? Everywhere you look, he said, we would live in a generation of trouble. Immigration crisis, humanitarian crisis at the border. And not only in the political scene, but in the public morality and our private morality. Abortion, late term, partial birth, euthanasia. Everywhere you look, there are these different rights that are demanded. Gay rights, same-sex marriage, all of these things are like a turmoil and a distress and are dangerous and are hard to bear. Perplexing times without a way out. And even in the church. Because the Apostle Paul goes on to say that the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter days, some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That actually in the church, people would begin to deny the only Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness. He goes on to say that right in the middle of the church, there will be turmoil and upheaval even in the church. In fact, we know that. We see it every day. Sex scandals. Preachers cussing and dropping F-bombs in the pulpit. 
Christians living their life where now you can just live any way you want and just add Jesus to your lifestyle. And so we've got drinking and alcoholism and, and gambling and, well, and in spite of all the trouble in the world, in the politics, in the morality, and in the church, it's in our personal life. And we have sins and shortcomings and faults and failures. And we have personal relationships that are shattered and pain in our bodies and, and, and a lack in our finance and personal addictions. And, and everywhere you look, there is turmoil and agitation and anxiety and trouble. Perilous times. It's kind of like the cartoon I saw in the first block, there's this egg. In the second block, the egg begins to crack. In the third block, the top of the egg comes off and the little chicken sticks its head out. And the newly hatched chicken looks to the front and to the side and to the other side and behind and he takes the top part of the shell and gets back in the shell and pulls the top back down on him again. Well, all of us feel that way. Somebody tried to define agitation and the stress and the distress that we feel. And they said stress is a bullfrog sitting in the middle of the highway and his hopper's broken. Well, every one of us have experienced that. The Bible warned us that we would live in the middle of agitated, dangerous, perplexing, troublesome times. So how do we have untroubled hearts in the midst of troubled times? Because you see, that's what was happening to the disciples. It had started with such power. It had started with such promise. It had started with popularity. They had received a personal call on the seashore of Galilee to, to leave their boats and their nets, to rise up and forsake everything, and to follow Jesus. And immediately there comes popularity and fame. And everyone's proclaiming Jesus. He's a prophet that's risen among us. Never has a man spake like this, for he speaks as one having authority, and not like the scribes and the Pharisees. And there was a mighty demonstration of his power, and eyes were open, and, 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 and lame legs begin to walk and blinded eyes saw people were raised from the dead and they begin to shout no man can do these works unless God be with him and then the popularity and the fame turned to persecution and now they're saying he's a wine bibber and he's a gluttonous man and he's a friend of publicans and Samaritans and sinners he's a Samaritan that hath a devil and all of a sudden, they find themselves in troubled times. No longer is it popularity, but it's rejection and persecution. For Jesus came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. And now, he's added to their agitation and their trouble by the words he's saying. It's necessary for you that I go away, or the comforter will not come. Go away? What do you mean, go away? In the midst of all this agitation and trouble that we're now, you're going to go away? He said, I will be delivered into the hands of wicked men, and they will mock me and revile me and crucify me. And the third day I'll rise again. And is it any wonder Peter said, Jesus, be that far from you. I don't want that. That's not what we signed up for. We didn't sign up for the trouble and the perplexity and the agitation and the trouble. We signed up because we thought you were the one that would bring salvation to Israel. You would the, be the Messiah. You would drive out the Romans. You'd reestablish our... And now you're talking about going away and going to a cross. And he could see it in their eyes. It was palatable. 
when he brings him into that upper room just before his death, he says, I have so much I wanted to tell you. I know you're not ready to hear it, but there's so much I wanted. Because having loved his own, he loved them all the way to the end. But he can feel it. You could feel it if you were in that room. They're agitated. They're anxious. They're in a state of perplexity. There's no way out. Their hearts are troubled. And he starts by saying, let not your heart be troubled. Well, yeah. Easy for you to say. And so then he gives them the pattern. What do you have to do to have untroubled hearts in the middle of troublesome times? He said, first of all, have faith in God. You place your faith in God. You trust God, don't you? That's the question. Emphatically, have faith in God. Put your trust in God. Do we? You know why he said that? Because God is faithful. God can be trusted. You can put your faith in him because he is trustworthy. All you have to do is turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And we call it the faith chapter. And, and, and we center in on all those who, who by faith stop the mouth of lions and quench the violence of the fire and, and put to flight those great armies. And we read all those stories. And that's not what it's about. Hebrews 11 says God is faithful to those who exercise faith in Him. If you put your faith in Him, He is faithful. He's faithful to save to the uttermost them that come to God by Him. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful to save. He's faithful to sanctify. For I pray, God, that your whole body and soul and spirit would be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. Faithful is He who called you, who also will do it. He's faithful to protect you, for He is faithful, and He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you can bear up under the load. He's faithful. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you always. If you ask anything in His name, it shall be done. He is faithful to send His Holy Spirit to be a comfort to you. Everything, you can trust God. You can put your faith in Him. And so Jesus said, if you want an untroubled heart, not only, you've already proved that you can trust God. You've already, you already know that God is faithful. So this is the plan. This is the prescription. This is the medicine for your troubled, agitated heart. Put your faith in me. Don't just believe in the faithfulness of God, but believe in me. Believe in my person. Believe in who I am. For I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. I am the door that leads into the presence of God. I'm the good shepherd. I'll lay down my life for the sheep. I am the bread that's fallen from heaven. I'm the living water. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Believe. Put your faith in me. Believe in my person. Believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Because if you put your faith in me, you will have peace in the midst of a troubled time. So he says, first of all, believe in my person who I am. And then he said, believe in my promise. I promise you something. I'm going away, 
but I'm going to send you another comforter. And he is the paracletes. He is the comforter, the helper. And he will come to your side. And he will do for you what I've been doing for you for the last three and a half years. I will not leave you orphaned. I will not leave you abandoned. But I will come to you. Believe in my promise. And not only that promise. Listen to my promise. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place for you then my promise is I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So put your faith in me. Believe in my person and then believe in every promise that I've given unto you. And then he said, believe in my power. All power, all authority, all dominion is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. He upholds all things by the power of his might. So you can put your faith and your trust not only in my person and not only in my promise, but in my power, in my ability to perform what I said I would do. Yes, they'll be, uh, be delivered in the hands of wicked men. But the third day, even though they crucify me, I will rise again. I lay my life down. I pick it up. I have the power and the dominion and the authority to do just exactly what I promised. So believe in my person. Believe in my promise. Believe in my power. And then he says, I want you also to believe in my place. Because I'm going to prepare a place. Now, I know the King James says, in my father's house there are many mansions. And, and we, you know, we wrote songs in the 20s and the 30s that dealt with the mansion concept. And, and they did that. You know why they wrote those songs? Because they were in the depression and they were poor, economically deprived. And so they, they, they tried to talk about mansions, something they had never experienced. Well, all of us have been in mansions. All of us have visited them. Anybody ever go to the Biltmore Estates? I, I, it's, it, it's out in North Carolina. God built it millions and millions of dollars and he did a great job, left it to his family, and now they have to keep it up, you know. So, so, mansion. Well, most of us, compared to third world countries, live in mansions. You live in a trailer house, and to a third world person, you live in a mansion. So, so what he said is, in my father's house, there are many rooms, an abiding place, a place of comfort, a place of rest. I go to prepare a place, a room. Now, in the Jewish concept, they knew exactly what he was talking about because it's called the insula principle. See, when a Jewish guy was going to get married, it was arranged. It's not our Western thing of dating. and No, no, no. One family would agree a long time, maybe sometimes even before the boy was born, that he would be given in marriage to a daughter of another family. And as they grew up, they'd come to this point in which the bridegroom would come to the bride and, and, and take a cup of wine and say, if you drink this wine, I want you to know that I'll love you forever. You will be my wife. I will protect you and provide for you if you just drink. And she would drink it. And by that she was saying, I commit myself to you. Well, that's what we would call engaged. And the moment that engagement happened, the bridegroom would go back home. He'd go to his father's house. It was called the family compound. And there was the house that his father had originally built. And for the next year, what he would do is he would build a room onto that house. Prepare it. Especially for the one he loved. 
And after all that room had been prepared, then the father would give him permission and he would go back and get his bride and bring her home and have a wedding ceremony. And they would move into that room. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. He said, I, wanna, I, I want you to believe in my place. In the midst of your trouble, in the midst of a world that's never given peace, in a world of distress and perplexity that has no way out, they don't know how to get out of this. I'm going to prepare a place. We call it heaven. And it is. You know what the Bible says about it? Oh, I know John tried to describe it. And, and he used only the words that he had to use. Gold and precious stones and pearls. and But it's really never entered into the hearts of men. What God has prepared for those that love him. What he said about his place was this. It's a place of rest. There's no more sin. There's no more tears and sorrow. There's no more pain. There's no more death. All the former things have passed away. And most of all, it's a place where I am. That where I am, there you may be also. That's my place. It's a place of completion. You know what? We, we, these people used to talk about heaven. I, I'm going to close you. They used to talk about heaven and they would say, you know, it's a, it's a shade tree and a glass of lemonade. You know. Now, heaven is a place of completion where everything that you think is incomplete, everything that you think you've lost, everything that you think you've missed out on, Everything that you were separated from too early is made whole and complete. It's a place he's preparing. And it's a place where he wants you to be at peace and in his presence. And then he said, put your faith in me, my person. Put your faith in my promise. Put your faith in my power. Put your faith in my place. But most of all, if you want your heart to be untroubled, place your faith in my personal return. My appearing. In the Greek, it's called parasui. It simply means his return. He said, I want you to believe that if I go and prepare that place, just as that bridegroom did, I will return. And I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. What did he say? Unto those that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Behold, the coming of the Lord draweth near. It is even at the door. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the sound of the last drum, we shall be changed. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and there we shall ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort ye. Bring peace and consolation to your heart with these words. For what Jesus says is, if you believe in me, who I am, if you believe in my promise, if you believe in my power, if you believe in my place, and if you believe in my personal appearing, the world can be agitated.
troubled. But in the midst of that, your heart will be at peace. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto thee. Do not let your heart be agitated, distressed, anxious, out of control. Do not be afraid. Because right in the middle of troublesome times, your heart will be untroubled. And so the question is simple this morning. Have you placed your faith in Him? Have you placed your faith in who He is? The only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The way, the truth, the life, the door that leads. Have you placed your faith in Him? Have you placed your faith in what He did? He is the propitiation for your sins. A big old long word. You know what that means? He's the one that turned aside the wrath of God. He took the judicial punishment of God for your sin and turned it aside. He bore it so you never would have to. And not for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Do you believe in who He is? Do you believe in what He did on the cross? That He took my sins out of the way, bore them in His own flesh, nailed them to the cross. He offered up one sacrifice for sins forever, was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Do you believe in what He did? Do you believe in what He's doing? He ever lives and reigns to make intercession for you. He's the high priest over the household of God. He cares about you. He was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. So through Him we have access to the Father. We can come boldly into His presence because of what He's doing. And most of all, have you placed your faith and believe in what He's going to do? If you look for Him, He kept His word. He can be trusted. He went to the cross. He died. He rose. He ascended. And He says, I'm not through yet. That's what I did. I'm living and reigning to make intercession. That's what I'm doing. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm preparing that place. And if I prepare it, I will come again. And I'll receive you unto myself so that where I am, you'll be my bride and you'll be always with me. And he said, when you place your faith in that, Right in the midst of trouble, you're untroubled. No fear. No heart attacks. As I close with this story about placing your faith. Uh, any of you ever seen the movie a long time ago called Ben-Hur? I, some of you, it's a long time ago. I'm really old. But the lead character was Charles Heston. And the director was Cecil B. DeMille. And one of the climactic moments of that classic movie was the chariot race inside the forum in the arena in Rome. Well, now this is so far back. It's before the days of all the computer-generated effects. And so Heston has to drive the chariot because of the, 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 the movie and the projectors and the cameras. The, the, a double can't stand in for him. And he has to to be the one that drives the chariot in the chariot race. Well, he's got a problem. He can't do it. It's beyond him. He tries and he tries to master it. And he just, he just, he comes to Cecil B. DeMille and said, you're going to have to change, you're going to get somebody else. I cannot drive the chariot. 
He said, just keep trying, son, keep trying. And finally, Heston comes back to DeMille and he says, I can drive it. I can, I can hang on to the horses, but there's no way I can win this race. And DeMille looked at him and said, son, trust me. You stay in the race, I'll make sure you win. And that's exactly what the Lord's saying to you. If you place your faith in who He is, if you place your trust and your faith in what He did on the cross, if you place your faith in what He's doing right now to make intercession, the power to change your situation, and if you place your faith in what He's going to do, He's going to appear. Then your heart will be untroubled. And you'll cross the finish line victorious. Amen? Stand with me right now. Father, we're so grateful for the truth that you reveal to us about who you are and what you've done for us and what you're going to do. And Lord, we know your people face perilous times. You warned us. We knew it was going to come. But right in the midst of all the agitation around us, you've given us a gift. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. Give I unto you. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Because we believe in God. And Jesus, we believe in you. We placed our faith in who you are and what you've done. And what you're about to do. Keep our hearts untroubled. In Jesus' name, whoever heads bowed for just a moment. You may never have personally placed your faith in Jesus. Who he is. What he did on that cross and through his resurrection for you. The only way you can live untroubled is when you place your trust in Jesus. Believe also in me, he says. You have everlasting life. For just a moment, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, and you want to do that this morning, would you just, well, no one's looking around, you just slip up your hand and say, I want to do that. My heart's been troubled. I've had personal pain and maybe addictions and shattered relationships, and my life is a turmoil of trouble. But I want to leave here today without the peace that only Jesus gives. Would you just slip up your hand and say, pray for me. Amen. Amen. I, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to believe in who he is and what he's done. Yes. Yes. Now, Lord, you, you know where we are. And you know what we need. And the great gift that you've left us is an untroubled heart. Filled with your presence and filled with your peace. And so I believe you're going to do that for your people right now. If you just need to pray and ask Christ to come into your heart and to give you that gift of peace that passes all understanding so that you can leave here untroubled and you need Jesus, I'm, I'm going to ask you to be really courageous and bold and step out from where you are and just walk right down here so that Pastor Andrew and I can pray with you and help you come into his presence. Come into everlasting life. Come into salvation. Leave here with your heart being untroubled. You just need to pray. We're just here to pray for you and with you. And you'd just like to come publicly and say, Pray for me that my heart would be untroubled.
because I put my faith in Jesus. If you'd like to pray that prayer with us, would you come right now? Tari's going to sing, and while he's singing, you'd just like to come and pray. And we're going to meet you right here and pray with you. We're going to pray that you'll put your faith in him and leave here in peace with an untroubled heart. Anyone else would like to come? Please come while we're praying. Tari, if you'd sing for us. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.